0: GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. So uh, welcome to our the latest podcast episode. I've got the great pleasure of uh, talking to Dr. Francis Tan today. Francis is one of the doctors at the Cooparoo Clinic in the National Skin Cancer Centers in Brisbane. And I'm talking to Francis because he is... Um, an expert, in my mind anyway, around uh, particularly the use of Daylight PDT. Francis, um, thanks for joining us, and perhaps we can just start off. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, uh, you know, what your background is, uh, how long you've been doing skin cancer, just a little bit of general stuff before we jump into the specifics, if you don't mind.
1: Sure, David, and hello to you, Um, and hello to all our listeners. Um, my name's Francis Tan. I'm uh, a dedicated skin cancer practitioner. I've been doing it since around about '94, I would say, '94-'95, um, starting off with uh, the first mole scan clinic here in Queensland, in Brisbane, and I decided to uh, dedicate full-time work to skin cancer uh, practice on the uh, knowledge that at the time technology was starting to come through to help detect particularly skin cancer well with the and particularly the first lot of um, um, mole max machinery that came through from Austria. And and I also found that, you know, in wandering and meandering through my uh, clinical career from graduating in 1986, that I had a lot of preference for working with my hands. And I like the the immediacy of detecting and treating uh, early skin cancers and uh, doing it well. So I embarked upon gaining knowledge and and, uh, making sure that I got some skills from uh, very uh, notable plastic surgeons here in Brisbane who were willing to teach GPs even back then at some weekend courses. And then, of course, on uh, along came Health Cert with the uh, suite of courses, uh, a course program that allowed us GPs to learn more and, uh, uh and specialize, if you like, uh, in a, uh, a GP orientated way in the, yeah. uh, the whole business of skin cancer and, uh, and hence, um. And that's all I do now. And I have been doing
0: it now for, for close to 25 years, I would say. I was, I was, yeah. I was going to say, I was trying to do the maths in my head and I was going to say 25 years, Francis, thereabouts. Well, that's about, about that, David. And in different capacities as a, as a sole clinic owner a principal, as well as working for corporates uh, the rest right. of the time. Yeah. Right. Wow. Fantastic. And how long have you been in the Roo Clinic with NSCC? I think I'm on to the the time frame is probably
1: four to five years now yeah four to five years and uh yeah. um, and uh, really enjoying it and dedicating myself to it and i can see myself being carried out of
0: here in a box really I don't <laughs> I'm anywhere else david and and i must say just just to close off this general introduction it, it is a fantastic facility that you're in there it really is one of the very best i've ever been into don't you think Yes, it's very comfortable. It's, it's collegiate. There's a, there, there's a nice
1: crew here, you know, with everything from reception down to when patients leave here with a dressing on. Uh, the whole yeah. experience, I think, patients themselves feel is terrific.
0: And it's a wonderful atmosphere to work in. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about Daylight PDT yeah um you you have a particular interest in this and you you very kindly created a protocol that's used in other n s c c clinics- Te- maybe we start um before we dive into the the details of how it works Tell us a little bit about you know your perspective on on p d t and field therapy for actinic keratosis and and indeed other other you know conditions but where, where does PDT sit for you, Francis, in, in your toolbox of treatments in, in, this, in this business that we're in? Well, I must say, if we were to work backwards, apart from
1: the definitive surgery that I try and perform for skin cancers upon diagnosis, when it comes to actinic keratoses and yeah. multiple lesions, In a field cancerization uh, process in most of our up here in Queensland, I believe this is becoming fast and furiously the best methodology to treat uh, what is a field effect, Um, and that's not to put uh, any any dampener on the gold standard of five fluorouracil, which has stood test of time and served us as clinicians and, and our patients very well. However, yeah. um, in terms of effectiveness, um, to go back a little bit, PDT is comparable, just as effective, if not more, when it right. comes to um, you know forward studies or prospective studies on effectiveness over three, six, and 12-month periods compared to Effidex. And, of course, all the other topical therapies that are substandard as far as I'm concerned. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I put PDT and Effidex on par. And it's interesting because PDT, of course, used to be called heliotherapy uh, or phototherapy, and it goes back to the um, ancient times of Egypt, Greece, and even China and India, uh, where light therapy was known to have some effect and clinical therapeutic effect for certain conditions, including skin conditions and so on uh, back in the yeah. day. Yeah, modern,
0: yeah, yeah. modern
1: phototherapy, David, came around the early 1900s. Yeah. And yeah. The often quoted Swiss pioneer is Arnold Rickel, and uh, yeah. he was the one who basically came up with, um, with therapeutic guidelines, if you like, even back in 1906.
0: Yeah, wonderful.
1: Yeah, and the term photodynamic therapy, well, that's probably a little bit further on from 1906. Uh, A fellow named Von Tappener uh, came up with the whole idea of studying photodynamic therapy and modernizing it and coining the term photosynthesizers, coining the term um, reactive oxygen species and the actual mechanism of action even back then was initially researched by him. And, of course, since then. As our listeners should know, if you just go through the internet and type in PDT, there is yeah. a whole host of uh, valuable and very interesting information historically, uh, currently, uh, on the use of PDT in actinic keratosis in particular.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. So um, you, you, you're obviously um, keen on it. You, you Do you... Um, can you give us a sense of how many patients you would, you would treat with PDT? Yeah. Well, see,
1: because we here in Queensland, we are bathed by daylight, if you like. Uh, yeah. year And we choose, and I personally choose, the months of autumn and winter in total. So six months of a year, I, I um, make it uh, known to patients that that is the clinical window for daylight treatment right. here in Brisbane for yep. my patients, um, yep. and I do it in such a way that I only treat um, evidentiary. The most effective area for clinical uh, uh, disease is the scalp and the face, but face in particular. Yep. And when we're talking scalp, we're talking balding scalp. Yep. Uh, yep. On the face, uh, with PDT treatment, what we are seeing is people with grade one disease, which is the gradation of clinical disease from mild, moderate to severe, basically talking about thickness and keratotic um, uh, activity at the surface, so much so that grade one disease is palpable actinic keratosis, not obviously visible. Right. Number of the, the actinic keratosis, whether biopsy confirmed or not, is immaterial because we yeah. here in Queensland, we're pretty good at, our, at actually detecting and confirming on a visual basis what is clinical disease. Um, sure. We have so much of it here. And compared to sure. the Australia, I think in the over 40s, we have a higher than the national incidence average. We're somewhere around about 60% plus of our
0: 40-year-olds will have actinic Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, you, know. you, you see it just walking around. I mean, exactly. you literally, it's almost every second person, white-skinned person, Francis.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. And skin type has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: uh, and, of course, personal circumstances of uh, sun exposure, whether it be through occupational exposure or personal recreational exposure. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, other factors, particularly, I think, childhood exposure leading to, uh, to obvious damage down the track when people do
0: hit their 40s and 50s. Right. So walk us through um, your, your protocol, your workflow, if you would, for daylight PDT, please. Mm. It's quite fascinating. I've heard this before, of course, and I think it's, it's absolutely fascinating what you do. Walk us through.
1: Yeah, well, typically I identify patients, firstly, by way of engaging them once I do detect and treat some skin cancers in the first place. Yeah. And in particular, if it's skin cancer on the actual face or scalp. Yeah, Because I find it's a much easier lead-in to encourage patients to think about what we're trying to do. Yeah. So I actually preface it by saying, you now have uh, evidence that you've had skin cancer removed by me surgically. Now we also can say to you that there is obvious sun damage called actinic keratosis on your face. And what we know is for people who have diseased skin like this, there is a higher risk of skin cancer developing within the area concerned. Sure. So I then say to them, now look, we have obviously treatments that you've probably seen people walk around with, with Mm. uh, particularly this home style remedy where they get a prescription they take it home and they apply it for a period of two to four weeks and they look like a red beetroot and they yeah. are depressed, they are uncomfortable, yeah. they are unhappy, yeah. and they're very shy of being out in public. They shouldn't be anyway. They're not exposed their skin to the sun, but they are uncomfortable sure. because it's sore, sure. it's swollen, it's hot-looking and red, blotchy, and it becomes very weepy. And the whole process can take anything up to two months
0: to heal properly and not be evident that treatment has occurred. And Francis, so, I, I think that many of us as doctors um, are too dismissive of the impact that that has on patients. Oh, it's huge. It's huge.
1: The social impact, not to mention the, um, the fact that people actually feel very conscious of the fact that they've got disease. You know, people yeah. don't like to wear disease on, on their sleeves, so to speak, right? Uh, particularly men. Uh, And we are talking about men mainly who have this disease more so than women. Yeah. Uh, Although women are fast catching up here in Queensland. Yeah. Okay. Um, So they're mainly men, uh, mainly men who work outdoors and therefore Mm. mainly very macho men who don't like the fact that they are going to show to people they've got a red face. Yeah. Yeah. So that itself puts them off. Uh, And so, Having come about, I think, in the order of maybe 2016 or so, when Australia followed international consensus and decided, the dermatology group decided to say, okay, it's now time for Australia to recognise PDT as uh, excellent treatment for field disease, actinic keratosis. And yep. they based it on what's called METVIX uh, yep. PDT which is a precursor, if you like, or or pro-pro drug to ALA, which is amino acid, uh, which then leads to the active ingredient. So Europe was probably the first to start clinical trials of daylight PDT back in 2006 uh, and so on, and reported it in 2008. They came up with an international consensus. Yeah, From that, other countries followed, including Australia. Uh, But, of course, back in 1999, the U.S., and drug administration actually talked about PDT and approved PDT as uh, with ALA as a pro drug for specifically yeah. for treatment of actinic keratosis. So they were way ahead, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's the situation. So, what we do here in, in our clinic at Cooper Skin Cancer Clinic, upon identifying my patient that's suitable, and I do not treat uh, severe grade two disease or grade three disease at all uh, because. The evidence is against effectiveness. And it is not worth doing that. It is only, it's is a waste of time and effort and money for your patient. It's better off considering other modalities for grade three disease or severe grade two. So grade one, grade two in the skin type that fits in somebody who's at skin cancer, I tell them to book it in with my receptionist. They get a quote of what it costs. They know exactly what the out-of-pocket cost is. They come in at a time which is usually mid-morning uh, on a day when I give them a 15-minute appointment slot. And that time is taken up with me lying them down in a prepared room, which will be a darkened, non-lit room, which they stay yep. in for an hour. Right. I descale your skin with a very gentle curatage, uh, and then I wipe the skin clean, and we also dry the skin so that there's no yep. And then I apply with gloved hands what is essentially for the face a two to two and a half to three mil preparation of 20% amino acid gel, ALA gel. Now, I used to use ALA solution, which is alcoholic based. Right. Fortunately, a lot of people found it too uncomfortable. Uh, Okay. Drying an effect on their skin for obvious reasons. And yeah. I didn't find it very effective for, for one right. reason or another for us here in Queensland. Yeah. And I've now found out that there is evidence that the gel actually does not work as well. Uh, sorry, the solution, ALA, solution does not work as well as the gel. So right. there's evidence and good patient reportage as to why the gel is better. So okay. I only use gel, not solution or cream. And it's yep. 20%. And so this is a compounded solution that comes, a gel solution that comes uh, from our chemist here in in Brisbane that we've nominated. And with their special ingredients, it actually has a a life uh, in the fridge. It can be stored for up to about 10 weeks, I think. Uh, Right. Because gel preparations are a lot more stable than solution preparations. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the patient then gets two or three passes of this gel that right. I apply by way of massage yeah. to the exposed skin of the face. And I often include, and no extra charge for the patients, the helical areas of the ears and the posterior aspects of the ears and also a bit of the submandibular area of the neck. Sure. Yeah. Anterior auricular. So I do that. And I tell them this is going to sting, and it's often reported back to me by the patient there and then that it does sting a little bit. Nothing more. Yeah. 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 And they have no problem. And that's all it is a bit of a sting. So it's then applied, and it's applied liberally and well rubbed into the skin. And I think I'm facilitating absorption by doing so. Sure. Sure. And also by massaging and and actually encouraging uh, a flushing of the face. Uh, by by vascular um, uh, um, um, uh, flow that I think we are encouraging more uh, oxygenation of the skin, which is an invaluable yeah. part of the process. In fact, it's a very important. Yeah. Yep, yep, Makes sense. Yep. It's a three-step process. We sure. need light. We need a prodrug or photosynthesizer, as it's called. And in this case, I only use ALA. And we need oxygen in the skin in the directed area of treatment, which is epidermal. So we are trying to treat the epidermis only. However, it's interesting that we have sebaceous glands that invaginate the dermis. And sebaceous glands invaginating the dermis actually can concentrate the PDT as well because it's hydrophilic. It actually... It's right. It prefers to get through um, the fat areas and it concentrates well in your epidermis and in your keratinocytes as well as intradermally in some of these things like sebaceous glands. So ALA sits there for one hour as a pro-drug um, incubation period. One hour is sufficient. And this yep. is between ALA and METVIX. METVIX requires a three-hour duration prep. It's a lot more painful, therefore more right. time. Yeah. And then the patient goes home and drives home, preferably within 30 minutes or so of here. That's yeah. what I try and ask them to do. If yeah. not, they try and shield themselves from the sun until they get right. home. Yeah. And once they get home, they spend three hours in ambient... Ambient daylight on the back right. porch, Not in right. direct but in ambient daylight. And they are supposed yep. to stay in a constant spot and have the activation and the conversion of the ALA to protoporphyrin 9, which is the active ingredient that we want to interact with actinic keratosis. Because and for that, how long, Francis? How long is that, did you say, ambient light? How hours. long? I, three I hours. patients to spend three hours there. I think most times patients will probably only spend 2. Okay. But as as patients being patients if you tell them 3 they will do 2. <laughs> if you tell them 2 they'll do 1, you know. Yeah. Okay. And then we get them to wash it off in yep. the shower with gentle gentle water and preferably a face towel because you don't want any of the residual ALA or what's been converted to protoporphyrin to sit yeah. on the bed. otherwise sure. for the for the um Ensuing week, they're going to get more activation and can get worse outcomes, adverse sure. outcomes that are unnecessary. Sure. Yeah. sure. Uh, and so, normal skin is spared because yeah. the ALA has a preference and protoporphyrin has a preference for keratinocytes that are multiplied and right they have it. a preference for, um, for abnormal skin tissue, which is what yeah. keratosis is. And of course, by yeah. doing so, they then have. I tell them to expect over a week uh, a sunburned effect, mild yep. to yep. By way of reportage, I've found when patients send me photos at day three, day seven, day 14, which is routine, they all have a similar look. And it's right. dry, blotchy redness, much like yep. No vesiculation, no blistering. No, yeah. eating, no pain. They describe a pain scale. Ask them to rate it between zero to ten or one to ten, and almost always the average is around about four. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Epidix, which can be eleven. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and and then what they do is, particularly in the first 48 hours, they're encouraged to avoid the sun strictly. Yeah. Upon that, they are just supposed to use all the UV smart strategies they know that they can. Uh, employ and sure. for pain relief which is minimal but quite useful to counter the tightening of the burn effect on the face particularly and scalp i asked them to use aloe vera spray oh and yeah this is the sort of product you can buy easily from chemists or supermarkets and store in sure. the and because it's cool it has a cooling effect that's it's right it's quite relieving
0: great. yeah yeah it's very
1: relieving yeah yeah, yeah. And that's about the process, David. And then I, I usually encourage them to come back to see me at three months. Uh, if they're not keen, fine. I'll just see them whenever. And often uh, yeah. take photos to show them what the uh, resultant uh, condition looks like. And nine times out of ten, the report is it was an enjoyable experience. I did not feel any discomfort whatsoever. I was comfortable going out during that week. And I'm very happy with the result because the skin feels rejuvenated not yeah. as daily and blotchy. And in fact, I think David, one of the users um, for the future, if not currently in the States is anti-aging.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For mm. sure. Mm. So Francis, I, I'm very, I'm very conscious of our time and this has been absolutely fantastic. Let let me try and uh sum, sum this up. I mean, what, 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 what I've heard here, and I, you know, I've heard this before and I, why we brought you on is it's so so interesting for for patients with um you know as you say grade one mild actinic keratosis you use it when when they've had a proven skin cancer with you you point out to them that they've got field change significant important solar damage Uh, we all know that they are at high risk of a second cancer there is benefit here in in subsequent cancer prevention, benefit in uh, appearance, benefit in how their skin feels. And and in essence, it's a one-off, it's a one-off treatment. They, they come to you for an hour. It's a pretty straightforward procedure, Francis. They, they're they at home in, in on the back porch, as you say, in ambient light for, for three hours, keeping out of the sun for the next couple of days and then being sensible, very sensible about sun protection. Uh, going forward, and it's all done. I mean, that's so different from Effidix. Isn't it? And it's so different from Metvix
1: PDT, David. Yes. It's very labor intensive. You've got to have special, special light sources and so on. You can use Metvix Daylight PDT, but it's too painful. Yeah. 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 Um, Excellent. Well, the, the clearance rate is terrific. You know, I think there have been figures thrown at um, maybe an 80% clearance rate at 12 months with a with recurrence rate around about 20% reported. And right. repeat, treatment, repeat treatment is more than indicated when required. Yes. There is no time
0: uh, at, on that. That's there right. Is no Another advantage, right, yes. whereas very few patients want to go through the epidemics again.
1: Yeah, and there's yeah. a future in it for treating very superficial skin cancers like Bowen's disease and maybe some superficial basal cell carcinoma. Yeah. Uh, there are practitioners doing that at currently, but it's not still a recommended uh, form of treatment, um, sure. but one to watch out for in the future.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's, let's wrap it up there. Francis, thanks so much for your time and sharing your expertise with everybody. I'm sure we'll talk again in the future about other aspects of your practice. Thank you so much. Been a pleasure, David. Thank you. And thank you to listeners. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to healthcert.com.